Hello and welcome to the Northern Monkeys Football Show. It's the international break, so it's going to be fun-filled action of international shit. Uh, we've got Odin with us as well. Uh, as well? He's Odin's here. Hello, Odin. Hello. How are we doing, mate? Yeah, good. Are you all right? Yeah, very good, mate. Thank you. Uh, Nuttall's with us as well. Hello, Nuttall. Hello. Hello. Uh, how's self-isolation going? Fucking boring. <laughs> Do you know what? On first lockdown, it's one thing because you can go out and at least have a walk mm. when you've got to stay in the house. Fuck me. <laughs> We've now got 50% of this podcast is self-isolating because Wayne's also now self-isolating again. From the um, podcast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wayne is not here at the minute. Wayne may turn up, but his internet is a bag of shit. So, you know, we'll see what happens, won't we? Um, so for this episode, we are going to look at England, uh, their international breaks so far. We're obviously recording before the third game. Uh, we've got Scotland Northern Ireland to talk about. We've also got Ian Cheeseman from the Manchester City podcast, Forever Blue, who's going to talk to us about basically Man City's time supporting City since like the 70s. Um, how he thought, how he thinks that time's gone, how he thinks it's going, going to go going forward as well. Uh, so that'll be in partway through the show. Uh, but we will start with England. Um, the th- start with the win against Ireland. Uh, very, very comfortable win. Not all. Can we gain anything from that Ireland game, really? Well, I'd say usually some minutes on pitch together, but they, they could do without it at a minute, to mm. be honest. Uh, not really. No, they were poor Ireland, weren't they? And I don't think yeah. they had. A, I don't think they really had a, a, a first string out, if you like, did they? Mm. So. No, it was we're a waste of time game. Don't know why they played it. Well, I do. Television rights is why they played it. If oh, they did not already sold the television rights for them games, the friendlies wouldn't wouldn't have been played. <clears throat> yeah, but we, won, but we won three. No, we played it. We played relatively well. Yeah, wins a win in it. I suppose it's a good habit, but it's a bit pointless. Jaden Sancho played, which meant he, could, he basically couldn't start the Belgium game, which did hinder us a bit. Uh, Ode, anything from the Ireland game of note? I, I, I haven't written anything down really from the Ireland game. No, do you know what? I can't really remember it. <laughs> it seems like ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> but now, uh, from what I do remember, it were uh, it were a pretty pointless game. Uh, yeah. And, Sancho yeah. got a golden. Yeah. Sancho, Sancho got one. Maguire got one. Yeah. Um, which is good that Sancho's getting on the score sheet for England, I suppose. Yeah. You know what? I think them kind of games in future, just, just friendlies like that, just get get young ones to go, 21s, mm. um, and just just play them for them. It's funny you should say that. Have you seen uh, Simon Jordan and Jim White on TalkSport earlier? I have, yeah. <laughs> Uh, basically, Sam and Jordan says to Jim White, they're talking about Scotland making it to the tournament and being in England's group next year. Uh, and, he, and he says, and, and he's being genuinely serious when he's mm-hmm. talking about it. Sam and Jordan is saying, we could play the under-21s against Scotland and we would beat them. <laughs> it's, a free, it's a free pass game, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. I agree. They are shit, but we'll come on to them in a minute. Uh, so, yeah, on to the, the important game. What could have been a really, really big game against Belgium. Uh, we went away from away from home, obviously, uh, and we went down 2-0. Uh, it was interesting because we didn't play particularly badly. There were shit goals to concede a little bit. 
Maybe the second free kick were a bit harsh, I suppose. We didn't create anything. Oh, did we, we played the front three of Kane, Grealish and Mount. Carragher talked about all night on commentary. There were no pace and no penetration really in that front three, were there? No, there weren't. And I think that that's what ultimately cost us. We, uh, it, Southgate's obsessed with this system, right? And I do mm. get it. I do get why we, why we played this system against a side like Belgium. But we go back to Denmark game. Uh, it, it just seems, it just seems a bit obsessed with we, we having them two defensive midfielders. Uh, that's that's only criticism I got of him. I think there were a few players off boil. Mm. Um, Dyer, I don't think Dyer is good enough anyway. Uh, no, yeah, Rice didn't have a great game. He's still young though, um, and but. Grealish had a really good game, didn't he? But mm. the uh, like, like I said, it was the the pace. If you had Rashford and Sterling in there as well, like like the run about, it probably would have made a a massive difference because I mean, weren't they playing three at the back as well? Yeah, I think and, so. Yeah, and and they pointed out like early on in the first half that uh, Iceland caused them problems down right hand side. Mm. And uh, that that seemed to be where we we were going, and uh, but not enough. And like I said, mm. uh, the, it, there were too many players that didn't have the best of game. I'm not just blaming system because we we did play well up to that final third. Yeah, no. it, was a bit, it was a bit of a strange one for me because I thought individually none of them did anything really wrong. I thought Grealish and uh, Kane linked up really well. Uh, we've been sat here, we've been big critics of Jack, Jack Grealish, but the best player on pitch last night by mm. distance yeah. against against Belgium. So, and I don't think, and I don't know if it's because we were two 0 down so early on, and and because of that, Belgium didn't really have to do anything. But we were comfortably better side, in, in mm. my opinion. Uh, but like you said, we didn't really create any. Any cutting openings, but I can't. But but I, but I personally can't say that the front three didn't play well. I thought individually, yeah. and even together, they sort of did play well. But I do agree, more pace, more pace will have, would have helped. But <sighs> yeah, disappointing. But I, I don't think losing to Belgium is no disgrace, and it, mm. it does, and and it doesn't film. They don't film me with fear. Put it that way, because I don't think they were particularly very good either. Mm. No, they didn't call. They didn't cut us open at will, did they? No. Um, well, the second one's not. Moments. The second one's not even a foul. Yeah. It, gives, it gives a free kick, but it's not even a foul. Uh, so we were pretty unlucky with that second goal. Mm. So the first one's come from trying to knock it around at back, which I don't play it around at back. But I don't have particular trust with the front, with the defensive play yesterday. The people who tend to make quite bad decisions. We talked about Kyle Walker last week making stupid decisions. He can make really bad decisions on ball, and if he's in the part of your front, uh, in your back three, sorry, he's going to he's going to potentially cause you problems if you're going to try and play out from back, which we seem to be insisting on doing, uh, which is a worry. So that first goal came came uh, their first goal came about. Uh, mentioned on Grealish, Grealish was definitely the best player on the pitch, but the reaction I've seen seems a little bit over the top. It's like his England saviour, and he did have a very good game. That flick he did were, were very very good, but he didn't have an impact on the game. He didn't create many chances. He did link up very well, but they're always sort of 
shots from distance that it linked up with Kane. Uh, am I being harsh, Odie, or is everybody overreacting? Uh, no, well, people overreacted even before this game. Mm. They don't need much encouragement, especially Villa fans. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he were, like Nuttall said, comfortably best player on park, and, and he did have a really good game. Mm. But is that gamer his life? You know, the, yeah. I don't consistently see that week in, week out from him uh, for Villa. Mm. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's got that in his locker, obviously, but uh, the way, like I said, going on about him, it, it is like calling him Gaza, Iniesta from Agbon Law. Yeah. Uh, you you need to you need to consistently do that, mm. and for me you don't. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Wayne, you're you're with us now. Have you got anything to add on the England game? Well, I think it's up for debate whether I'm actually with you or not. Since yeah. my inter- since my internet signal is possibly the worst thing I've ever seen, and that includes Kim Olsen at Wednesday. Uh, you can't see internet signals. It's uh, been quite a while since it's complained about Virgin Media on one of these podcasts. That's true, actually. It was actually the second show that I complained about Virgin Media. We we later found out it was Odin's fault. Oh, yeah, back then it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it's definitely Wayne's fault. No, it's definitely yeah. Virgin Media's fault. It might have something to do with the fact that I cancel the direct debit because I can't get through to their customer services. Maybe they've decided to cut me off. Anything's possible. Anyway. Not, really, not, not really talking about the England game either, Wayne. <laughs> Continue with your opinion. Sorry, this is... Where's Virgin Media play, Wayne? <laughs> I, I, think, I think at school, I'm not told we're right back, weren't I? <laughs> um, you know, um, that gives you a, a summing up of how much I uh, enjoyed the England game, by which I mean I thought we were not awful, that's not true, we were average. We were bang average, in my opinion, in, in both games. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It, will, it was a little bit of the old England where a lack of idea it, when it got to the penalty area. But like we, I think we put on group chat last night, we're missing two out of front three. It would have caused them a lot of different problems than we did cause them. And you could have still played Grealish or Mount as well as playing Sterling and, and... I think it's a bit harsh to say they were average. You've got to consider who we were playing as well. I think mm. it's... A, don't get me wrong. They were 2 up and they, they probably took it easy to an extent, but we, we were... This is number one ranked side in the world and we were we were better on the night. We, we are troubling them too much. Mm. So to say we're average, I think is a little bit harsh. Yeah, fuck you, Wim. <laughs> no... We don't know if it's not getting a response or whether his microphone's broke again. Yeah. It, it, it's probably a good time to point out that I have no idea what Nuttall said there because my internet dropped out. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> um, what the result does mean is England are finishing third. Denmark ended up winning because of a very late penalty. Um, Ode, we, it would have been nice to get through to semi-finals again, but it's not end at world, is it? No, it's not end at world. Uh, even though it was... It were enjoyable when it came round that uh, mm. that time. Yeah. Um, but you didn't you didn't look forward to it months on end before, did you? No. 
not like it. It's still not got the same clamour that a Euros or a World Cup. I think it'll get the Mm -hmm. Nations League, actually. I do think it'll get the... I I don't think it's at that stage yet, is it? No. And we're not going to be relegated, are we? No, No. Iceland are fucking dog shit, so... Got no points, haven't they? I think so, yeah. They're, They're awful. Um, we've got bigger fish to fry at Euros it's probably good that we ain't got a distraction We're looking forward to something else well on back to last night Belgium have been made joint favourites yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah moving on uh, the Euro 2020 lineup is now completely complete which is exciting for everybody I've put a little list of players we can all watch next year do you want to see me a list of players that we can go all on, watch then. Euros yeah, I'm looking forward to this so oh, we've got... go, on. go on like so We've got How Gareth... many North Macedonians are there? <laughs> uh, well, we've got Gareth Bale, Kevin De Bruyne, Christian Eriksen, probably Virgil van Dijk, Harry Kane, Robert Lewandowski, Liam Palmer, <laughs> Anis, Anis Jukola of Bristol Rovers, and Chris Gunter of Charlton Athletic. There you uh, go. That's a bit harsh. Kevin De, Kevin De Bruyne is not that bad. <laughs> uh, so it's a big mix of footballing abilities. Um <laughs> So Scotland made it through. Uh, a penalty shootout victory in Serbia after drawing 1-1. Um, I watched the Northern Ireland game, so I'm not with much cop on this one. I can, I can comment on this one. I thought it was the worst crime to hit Serbia in the last 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, 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 was, it was truly disastrous watching that. What the game um, itself, or was Serbia robbed? No, they no, no, not, no, 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 nothing like that. Just the fact that Scotland won won a penalty shootout, yeah, which right. we only do, which we only do if you're in a position to get to qualify for a major tournament. And two, the more worrying thing is that they've qualified for a major tournament. Who's going to put us bins out next summer? <laughs> no way. In. I, I was told myself uh, Scotland were better, but I, I I watched majority of England game. But uh, do you know what it was funny actually? I turned uh, to Ollie and it was about seventy fifth minute in our game when it was finishing in mm. finishing in theirs. So I said it's eighty eighth minute Scotland game. I'm going to turn it over because they're going to concede. <laughs> and literally, as as I turned it over, they just won a corner Serbia and they scored from corner. She said, "How did you know that was going to happen?" I just said, it's "Scotland." It's got. But then I fully expected them to go out after that. Yeah. Uh, and Serbia battered him in stoppage time, in uh, injury time, injury time, extra time. <laughs> they they absolutely battered him, for, uh, but obviously couldn't find a way through. But from what I heard, Scotland were, or from what they were saying at commentary, Scotland were comfortably better for the first ninety minutes. So it did sound if they, if yeah, they were going to go they, full they Scotland and, and and play quite well, go one 0 up, concede late on, and lose. That felt yeah. like what would happen. Come on. They, they were better. They were a better team, to be fair. Um, and yeah, it's just it, it's just a bit sad from our point of view. The first time that we're qualified for a major tournament um, since 1998 is one that we all have to endure on social media. Why couldn't they have qualified in like 2000 when no one cared? Oh, I worry about they, it. They're going to they're have to come to they're going to have to come to Wembley. Yeah. Wembley against England on a Friday night. Met Fuck police me. are fucking loving it, aren't they? <laughs> Their praying vaccine don't work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they were they were very very happy. Did you see Andy Murray's celebration? 
on Instagram. It's <laughs> pure mental, weren't it? <laughs> <laughs> His neighbours putting a noise complaint about him. Uh, with the group we've got, owed, our group, our group's now complete: England, Czech Republic, Croatia, Scotland. Potentially, the top three go through. So you could probably sneak through by winning just one game, or a win and a draw. England are going to win that group. I think we're all pretty confident of that. Are we all happy with that? Yeah. I think, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Croatia are not as good as they were two years ago. They're no. the better players there. We don't win every game. <laughs> I'd take seven points. Seven points would be pretty happy. <laughs> um, oh, what chance do you give Odin to qualify? Odin, what chance do you give to qualify for Euros? Um, I don't think Odin qualify. What, 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 what chance do you give Scotland to make it out of that group? Well, they're the weakest team in it, aren't they? Yeah. They are, but Czech Republic aren't out special, are they? They've got the individuals to to be able to get that second spot. Mm-hmm. Or oh, third. third, third, no, third no, the third. But, but, uh, biggest problem I see for Scotland is at left-back, they've got Andy Robertson. Well, widely regarded as one of the best left backs around. A mm. right back, they've got Liam Palmer. <laughs> widely <laughs> regarded as one of the, one of the best right backs <laughs> at Wednesday. <laughs> widely regarded? I'm going to say that's disputed. That's disputed. <laughs> one of the best. How many you got? Three. <laughs> it's in top three. <laughs> Yeah, okay. but there's a there's a massive imbalance in mm. uh, the some of the players they've got for our squad. The issue, the issue they've got is that they've got their best player at left back, whereas somebody yeah. like Wales have got Gareth Bale, yeah. who can who can win literally win the game for them. Um, and Rob, yeah, yeah, and obviously they've got Ramsey through middle of them as well. So it's, yeah. so it's sort of forming spine or part of the spine. Yeah. And Robertson is probably one of the best left backs in the world, but he's not going to win game for you, unfortunately. For Scotland, I don't care, but Scotland is it. Um, anything else on Scotland before we move on? We're going to bring in the Inchisman thing now. Any other any other com- com- questions, comments before we move on? No. Cool. Oh uh, yeah. Fuck's sake. Congratulations, Scotland. Well done. What? <laughs> Where did that come from? Nuttall does not speak on behalf of the Mullen Monkeys. I don't even speak on behalf of myself. <laughs> uh, so now we've got, last week we mentioned this at the start, Ian Cheeseman from Forever Blue Podcast, which is the Manchester City Podcast, talked to us about uh, his time supporting the club. Me and Wayne spoke to him, so you'll hear me and Wayne during this. Um, it's a part of an ongoing programme, we'll go do it. Sorry, go on, I'll let you take it, Laxie. No, but... you're going to it's your brainchild, Nuttall, go on. It's part of an ongoing programme we do. We're just going to uh, speak to a lot of individual podcasts. We've got quite a lot planned between now and next month. And yeah, you'll get an, you'll get an individual club review. It's, you know, it's our professionalism here that's really yeah. selling this. Not all selling it to us much better than that. Um, so no, yeah, we talk- um, I, 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 yeah, have a, have a listen. It's a, it's a really good, uh, really knowledgeable book. Good talk. Yeah, it lasts about half an hour. Um, and stay tuned afterwards because you'll hear us talking. We're going to cover Northern Ireland, uh, the rest of the Nations League, and we've got Sheffield Wednesday to cover and a manager change and also Derby County. Second You're really selling it, Lexi. You're really selling this second part. <laughs> All that to come right after these adverts. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you in about half an hour.
Thanks everybody for listening. And we've got uh, a new series. I said we're going to go through talking different fans from different clubs. And the first one we've got is Ian Cheeseman, who's a Manchester City fan and uh, does the podcast uh, Forever Blue. Thanks for joining us, Ian. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, and we've got Wayne with us as well. I'll introduce you as well, Wayne. Thanks, Lexi. You don't <laughs> usually introduce me, but thanks, mate. Sorry, right, mate. Uh, so first of all, Ian, tell us about your sort of City uh, fan supporting time and your podcast as well. Uh, well, I'm one of the older fans. I mean, I've been going a long time. I've been watching City home and away since uh, my first game was in 1970. Season ticket older by sort of 73, 74. Started going away in 77. And basically since 77, um, I've pretty much been to every single home and away game that City have played. Um, during that period, um, I also, because of my obsession with watching games, being there in stadiums and realising how expensive it was and um, how difficult it is to manoeuvre a real life around going to games, um, I developed, um, and, and I would say it's slightly different than the way most people do it, but I de developed an interest in the media and yeah. thought, you know what, the perfect way for me to go to every single game without any hassle is to actually be paid to go, to be in the media <laughs> to do it. And um, I mean, it's a long story as to, as to how it happened, but um, I achieved that goal. Um, I was paid by the BBC for 16 years uh, in particular to be the city reporter. Mm. So I was, um, you know, rotated and, and, and paid for to go to every single game home and away. Um, but most of my time at the end, and I still am at heart, mm. uh, I am a fan. Um, I'm, I'm a fan now. I've left the BBC and to survive now uh, doing the things that I love to do. I have a podcast. I started by doing a match day vlog, which mm. was not dissimilar to the, the sort of Arsenal fan TV format, yeah. although it wasn't with an agenda. It wasn't with people who I was paying to contribute and be controversial. It mm. was natural people giving me their honest reactions at games. Um, so that, that's been my city story, if you like. And um, and, and I'm, I'm, my intention is to carry on doing this as long as I can, because... Uh, I haven't lost the obsession with going to the games. Um, I have the advantage of still being a journalist. So tomorrow night I will go to Lincoln and watch City's under-23s in the stadium, um, which is which is nice in these mm. uh, COVID times. But I'm legitimately there because I'll write a column in the local newspaper afterwards, mm. um, which I, I do a little radio show as well in the local station. So um, I'm a fan. I'm a journalist, but... You know what? At heart, I'm still just a fan. Yeah, that's the best way. That's where we all are, real monsters, anyway. <laughs> um, so you've obviously from City from the 70s. So you've seen the the very very lows and obviously the very very highs. Uh, and when you or with the famous, very famous Division Two playoff game, how how low of a bottom was obviously before? Not the playoff game itself. I mean, it's not quite good. Uh, <laughs> but when was sort of the the low point of your supporting time really well the obvious answer to give you is that um on the 19th of december of that season 98 99 city played york and uh, and lost 2-1 and <sighs> i remember distinctly a friend of mine who was the editor of king of kipax one of the uh, fanzines that's still going mm. these days a guy called dave wallace and we bumped into each other outside the ground hey dave how are you doing um not too bad what do you think today he says oh we'll get beat uh, you know, we're, we're at York away, Manchester City <laughs> are away. And we've got, yeah, yeah, we'll lose today. Um, went in, um, we're in different parts of the ground. 
and we lost. Um, and we came home smiling, as we always did, and <laughs> went on to the next game. And so at that point, I think City dropped to something like 12th in the uh, third tier of English football. And um, yeah, I wouldn't say we accepted our lot. Of course, we mm. wanted to go up again. But, you know, the, the sort of dark humour, the self-deprecating humour that City fans have was at the hardcore just got on with it and, and had banter and enjoyed the trip and joined being with the mates because that's what fans do. Mm. Um, things started to turn around that season. You said that the 99 playoff final wasn't a low point, but actually I'd argue that um, that game was terrible. Um, that's <laughs> least the day. Actually, I mean, one of the, the podcasts we're going to do on Forever Blue, my, my podcast, which will come out this week, is... Um, because it's our 99th and 100th episodes, mm. one of my contributors said to me, um, why don't we count down your top 10 City games? And I said, uh, uh, you know, what my 10 were. Mm. And that game, the 99 playoff final, wasn't on the list. And I said, I think a lot of people will be surprised by that. Mm. But the reason it's not there is because, A, it was a terrible game. <laughs> you know, we, and, and people forget that because yeah. of the result and the drama. Um it, it was honestly the standard of it was horrendous. We were losing two nil, you know, um, yeah. against Gillingham. And I know, you know, you say, you know, don't mean to be unkind to Gillingham, yeah. but what else can you say? Gillingham, we were losing two nil to Gillingham at Wembley in a playoff final, and uh, and it, it turned round and they got through on penalties. But I don't look back on that game. Yeah, I remember the, the excitement. Mm. I'm so glad that I was there. I wouldn't have wanted not to be there, but I don't see that as a great game or a highlight. Nor did I see any of those games in that division. But mm. it's what makes you a fan. It's that, that's your, that's where you earn your stripes. I was at every single game in League t in what is now League One, the third division. Every one of them, I was there. And so when Aguero scores the goal in 2012, that meant a lot more to me because yeah. I was there when we were shit. You know. <laughs> you see, I, I always talk about this with uh, Will Axie and the other guys on the show about how much we. I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but how much we remember the terrible years um, when you've been at the bottom of the pyramid. Um, how would you compare? Cause I've, I've, spoke, I've listened to Nicky Weaver talk on a different podcast about that playoff final. Looking back at it now, do you think it, was that the turning point or were you always bound to bounce back? Were you in a false position being in what is effectively League One these days? You've got, you've got to admit that football... Um, I remember watching a sort of, a, I don't know, it was a documentary or I just saw some research by somebody at Loughborough University who always seemed to do these types of bits of research. And basically, if you analyse club football, the big cities, the biggest clubs with the biggest catchment areas, if you do it over a long enough period of time, the teams you would expect to be at the top are at the top and the teams you expect to be at the bottom are the bottom. Manchester is, is a big city mm. and it has more than enough room for two big clubs, as you can see. And despite what some people might suggest, um, you know, City have had success in the past. Um, you know, they were, you know, uh, they won in Europe, you know, as long ago as 1970. You know, they, they won the league back in, in the 50s and, you know, they had bigger crowds than United until the Munich air disaster in Manchester. Um, you know, they they... United actually played their home games after the war at Main Road mm. because Old Trafford got bombed out. There is a long history there. Uh, and, you know, in, when I started going in the 70s, City had just won the league in 68, the FA Cup in 69, the League Cup in 1970. 
they were matching United, who'd won the European Cup all bit, but, you know, they were matching them. But now in modern history, people think that City were coming from nowhere, but they had mm. been somewhere. So it felt inevitable that they would get back. But then if you look at the history of Leeds and how long they were out of the top division before they came back, and even a club like Sheffield Wednesday, we now forget maybe a little bit because they've been out for so long. But Sheffield Wednesday are a huge club and that's a big city. Um, you know, Even Bristol, Bristol City, mm. you know, Bristol is a huge... If you've been there, Bristol is a huge city. And they, they you know, when I said deserve, you know, yeah. the logic of the Loughborough um, analysis says that Bristol should have a club in the top flight of English football, not Bournemouth or you know, Burnley or somewhere, but but actually Bristol should. Mm. So they're, they're an exception. So I suppose I sort of expected City to get back eventually, but that was long before the shake came again, along or, or Shinawatra. So we didn't know the trajectory that they were going to go on. Um, and it wouldn't have made any difference to me. We were still in the second tier of English football, third tier. I'd still be going to every game because mm. that's just me. Yeah, I, I remember when you were on the season after, I was Rotherham supporter, we played you the year after. I think you got promoted the season after. And it was even 99, 2000, obviously before you you became a bit, I suppose, bigger is maybe not the right word. But when City came to town or when other teams like came to town in the old Division 1, it was such an occasion. So we fill, fill out the complete away end and a bit more of the what is the normal home end. Uh, so it's just, they're just a massive club. And I think that's a little bit why when Chelsea got a bit of money, there's a bit of animosity towards them. Certainly from my point of view, and I think most of the football fans' point of view, is we've seen what City fans have had to go through. Them Division 2 days, or Division 1, and mediocrity in the Premier League for a period of time. It's You've almost deserved a bit of success, as daft as that sounds. Yeah, I mean, the, the difference between... The old school City fans, there are some mm. new ones who've come along yeah. and now sort of glory hunters and, you know, very expectant fans. And that's inevitable when you start winning trophies and you've got some of the best players in the world. But the core of City's support were delighted to overturn, you know, the sort of cast thing mm. that basically was UEFA trying to create a cartel that wouldn't let City in. But I think if now that we're in that cartel, now that City are established in that cartel, if another club comes along, like Newcastle, it looked mm. like Newcastle, Derby County now uh, have, have some investment. I know that talk of Wrexham suddenly being a big club is probably yeah. going a bit too far, <laughs> but but still, if another club got the, the opportunity that City fans have had, mm. I think the vast majority of, of City fans, and certainly speaking for myself, would not begrudge another club having the same opportunity. And mm. I would hate it if City then became part of that cartel that was trying to keep out other clubs. Um, so, you know, that on that basis, I hope that that people who've watched City success, like you, you know, don't, you know, don't begrudge us mm. uh, normal fans, if you like, the success that we've had. Because I certainly wouldn't begrudge it um, if it was somebody else. If I never saw City win another trophy now for the mm. rest of my life, I've had I've had such yeah. riches. I'm I'm fine, and you know, I, I, I'm not wishing them to be bad. Mm. But I can live with it, and I and I'd wish everybody else success. Yeah, I think I think I probably agree with that. On before we move on to sort of current seasons of your time back in the Premier League, other success years, is the Aguero moment the moment, or is any of the Derby wins the six-one springs to mind? Which one of those would you say is the the moment? 
Well, as I say, funnily enough, I did this top 10 countdown, mm. which, um, which, which I'm going to put up soon. But um, the number one had to be uh, that day, uh, you know, um, 13th of May. 2012, um, Sergio Aguero. I mean, on a personal basis, I was commentating for the BBC. I heard that, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, I mean, there's a long story that goes around that, but it was an amazing day mm. to, be, uh, to be out on the concourses, to be outside the ground for hours beforehand, interviewing fans and getting that atmosphere. Then actually being on the microphone, describing it all, all the drama, which we couldn't possibly have scripted, of City going one up. <laughs> then going 2-1 down, and then it, the two winning goals coming in stoppage time, you know, you couldn't possibly have scripted that. Um, and that obviously added to it all, but uh, mm. it was a, it was a, it, on a wonderful day, on a personal basis, you know, I, 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 I had the radio mic, I got on the pitch afterwards, I interviewed loads of players and the manager. The following day, I was on the open-top bus, I was the only journalist that was allowed on the open-top <laughs> bus. And can you imagine, as a fan, yeah. being up there on the top with the players, interviewing them, looking out at the scenes around you? Um, it, it just You can't buy an experience like that. I feel like the luckiest person in the world. Um, so, you know, I've, I've lived the dream, um, you know, and yeah. so that, how can that game be beaten? I mean, 6-1 at Old Trafford was pretty special. Mm. Um all victories against your derby rivals are, yeah. are usually pretty good. Um, and the first game I ever went to back in 1970 when I was only a little kid, um, I'll never forget that either. So there are, there are, there are lots of... But, mm. You know, in that top 10, when I did my top 10, mm. I actually put City losing 1-0 at home to Luton and as one of my favourite 10 games. <laughs> not because it was a great game, not because I was happy that day. In fact, I was in floods of tears because City got relegated when... Ready anti scored yeah. a goal and oh, yeah. skipped onto the pitch, but it, but I, I, it's it's in my heart. I'll never forget it. And it was, it, that's the emotion of football that makes mm. football special, even the bad bits. Yeah, exactly. And that's this roller coaster of football. Uh, and that's that's like so. That's why we all love football, even if you don't support, even if your team's not involved in that roller coaster. Sometimes, it's just fantastic to be just a small part of watching it. And like you said, like, fans fans' dreams just being on the open bar sounds amazing. <laughs> Sounds superb. Um, on to more, you know, current times. Uh, last season was not disasters, definitely not the right word, but Liverpool were clearly the better team. Was the gap? Do you think the gap was real? Do you think that's a real gap, or was it? You just had a couple of bad, bad results, and they were just superb. What, what, what was down there? You think? No, you can't argue with the results. I mean, they won it. They wouldn't be by a big margin. Obviously, COVID came in towards the mm. end, but it already pretty much won the league by then anyway. Um, and, uh, and they deservedly uh, won it. They kept the momentum going from the previous year. City had lost Vincent Company, who I thought was a very influential player, both on and off the field. Um, and Pep's um, team is a little bit vulnerable sometimes mm. to teams that believe in themselves against them. Um, in that season when they were Centurions, um, they were like Leicester that city, you know, it just kept rolling and rolling yeah. and rolling and, and people were beaten before we even played them. Um, whereas that second season, it was nip and tuck, uh, you know, with Liverpool and that, that was an amazing season. And we just, and it was Vincent Company one way and another that got us over the line with that goal against Leicester and his <laughs> leadership. Uh, but then once he went, you know, Liverpool continued on with their momentum and, and City lost it and, no, I say that, um, it, that that there was nothing wrong with their margin of victory, mm. and they, they deserved it. And um, I can't say I'm particularly a Liverpool fan. I don't 
there's a lot of their fans that I'm not keen on. Obviously, the breaking <laughs> of the bus and all the rest of it. Well, yeah. Sticking the, the throat a bit. Um, but, you know, for the good fans and for the people who are like me, who are Liverpool fans, I don't be good. In fact, I feel a bit sorry for them that they never got to properly cele- celebrate mm. with all this COVID stuff. So, uh, but they deserve to win it. Mm. So, um, just moving on to this season. Um, at the start of this season, we uh, between us on the podcast, we all did our predictions. Who we thought would go up uh, Championship, who we thought would come down for Premier League, who we thought would uh, win the Premier League. And may or may not be surprised to know that all four of us went for City to be winning the title. Now, it's it's not started as well as you'd have hoped. I mean, that's probably fair to say. Um, what do you think that's down to? Well, first of all, I'd say... Um... City have still got this game in hand and we're relatively early on in the season. Mm. So if they win the game in hand, then they would be in the top four. So it looks worse than it is right now. Now, if the other side of Christmas, they're still in the position that they're in, then all the gaps will have widened almost yeah. automatically. And then it's a different scenario. But I wouldn't say City have been poor. I'd say they've been average. Um, and by the standards that City and Liverpool have set of win, 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 then obviously you draw a couple. And the obvious thing is you draw away at West Ham. You know, again, you're expected to to win. Um, you know, to, to lose so heavily at home to Leicester, you know, was a, a big shock, really, for a lot of mm. people. Um, you know, so those are the types of games that indicate City are not playing at the top of the game. But if they'd beaten Liverpool, um, then the game in hand would have took them two points behind Liverpool. So, but if I'm being honest, I think City have not um, gone forward at all. I think we've gone backwards in the last couple of years. Um, I think as the key players like David Silva, Vincent Company um, have moved on, Fernandinho hasn't moved on, but He's been taken out of the position I think he's best at. Mm. He played quite a lot of central defensive position games last season because the manager didn't believe in John Stones and didn't always trust Nicholas Otamendi. So you got Fernandinho playing quite a lot at the back. And as as good a player as he is and as good a job as he did, um, he was key in that pivot just in front of the back four. Mm. And um, Rodri's nowhere near that standard, in my opinion. Um, hence probably the reason why Pep is playing two holding midfielders with Gundogan and Rodri in, in the big games, which I'm not a fan of. Um, so I think slowly but surely, obviously Aguero's getting a little bit older all the time. Um, he's got injuries that have caught up with him and we've become much more reliant you know, on one player, Kevin De Bruyne. Mm. Kevin De Bruyne can, can do that killer pass, can score that free kick or whatever. Then you know we can win. We can win the games. But if he's injured, if he's not quite at it, then you know then you start looking at the hit and miss. Raheem Sterling, who needs five chances to score one, um, you know, and, and it's not quite. It's not what it used to be. It's not this sort of, you know, overwhelming the opposition and scoring at will almost in in ninety percent of the games. So I think there's definitely a, a drop in standard from City this season. Mm. This season feels a bit more wide open. Obviously, Liverpool started okay, but again, not at their usual standard. It's opened the door a little bit. Do you still have confidence that you can win the league, or do you think it's a bit, bit too early to be sort of saying you should or shouldn't? Now, I know we're talking on a football podcast, and I know that I've still got a football podcast that I'm doing, but I've got to be honest and say 
that um, because it means so much to me to attend games, mm. and I believe so much that crowds play a big, big yeah. part in the whole football experience. Um, my whole consumption of football uh, has gone dramatically down mm. uh, during this season. I haven't watched any games other than the City games on TV um, because I have no interest in watching. I don't even really want to watch the City games, mm. if I'm being honest, but I'm watching them because... I'm, I'm a City fan. It's in my nature. I still do a podcast. I can't very well go and talk on a podcast having not watched the game. Mm. But I sit there with no motion. And when, you know, Salah scores a penalty for Liverpool, I just sit there nonplussed. When De Bruyne misses the penalty, I sit there nonplussed. When the game finishes, I switch to another channel and start watching mm. something else. I would never have been like that before. So this odd season that we're having at the moment where... You know, Aston Villa at one time are looking like they might get their act together. Suddenly Southampton look half decent. You know, Leicester are top, I think, at the moment. Um, Everton started pretty well until Jordan Pickford came out of his goal in the Derby match. And then yeah. that seemed to put them out of the stride for a couple of matches. Um, and, and again, I'll be honest, and this is probably shocking for people to hear because I am a 100% City fan. I'm not sure I really want to see City win the league or anything this year. Not mm. until I'm back in that stadium and not until fans are back, the uh, the sort of empty stadium celebrations um, can be for somebody else. It, uh, it's not something I I want. And judging the football, and that's why I said about not watching the other games, judging the football, which is nowhere near the standard it would normally be, mm. I can see a huge difference. Um, you know, if you watch your highlights of a game from last season on the season before, when there was a crowd in there, there was a different dynamic, there was a different mm. energy of the way the players moved. It wasn't, it's not just about the noise, everything's different. So, this to me is a very false season. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, I can't wait for fans to get back in. And when they are back in, and I suspect we won't see full crowds until next season at the oh, early. Yeah. Um, then this season is just a dead season for me, I'll be honest. I'm glad you've mentioned about the fans not being able to celebrate last season. So we've got Hoden on our podcast, who was a Leeds fan. They returned to Premier League after uh, 17 years. Wasn't able to go into the ground and celebrate. So it is a bit of a... It's a good point you make about that. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat where they don't, they're losing interest a little bit. That's a fair point. I'm not sure, mm. but um, do you do you think football ever returned to what it was before, or do you think we've lost an element of the excitement of football by having this year and possibly two seasons but not been able to go there? It's a difficult question to answer that, obviously, for anybody because we didn't know Kobe was coming. Mm. We don't know quite how it's going to go. We don't know how suddenly everybody's going to get back in, um, but. I can't begin to tell you the number of fans, and obviously I'm in contact with a lot of City fans, and they're the only ones I can really speak for. Um, but a lot of City fans, I don't want to make this tribal. It's not. This is not about tribal, because um, and you know I really do feel sorry for those Leeds fans, mm. for example, who didn't get to celebrate. I genuinely feel that way because we're all football fans together, and mm. um, so I do do feel that pain. Um, but most of the people I speak to are City fans. And you'll be amazed how many of them have said to me, you know what, I broke the habit now. For years I've gone, yeah. for years I didn't want to miss a game, for years it was what I did every week, 
and I'm not bothered anymore. I'm not, I'm not engaged with it anymore. I'm not watching it. And when it comes back, I'm not going to go again. Um, I'm saving a lot of money. Mm. Other people are telling me, well, I've lost my job or I've been on furlough. I've used all my savings up. And there's suddenly the thought of buying a season ticket for 600 quid or whatever, or 10 quid to park your car every week and all the moving at the kickoff times all over the place. And another big factor that people tell me all the time is VAR. VAR is doing people in, you know, that you, when a big key moment of excitement happens in a game, that you celebrate and then it's just extinguished Mm. in a second. You can live with the disappointment of of a, of a linesman's flag going up in, in instantly yeah. so that everybody can see in the crowd that the flag, and you think, oh my God, it might be disallowed. But when you've had two minutes to celebrate and then suddenly something you didn't even anticipate, you didn't realise it could be offside, you didn't even realise it could be handball, um, and you don't, and after time when you're in the ground, you don't even know what's going on, you don't mm. even know why they're doing a check, and then suddenly they tell you that the decision's been reversed, it's really putting a lot of people off. So... It's impossible to tell. Maybe all the people who are saying what they're saying to me at the moment will go back. Maybe mm. the second we can all go back, everything's forgotten. And they go, oh, well, I didn't think I'd go back, but I'm going back. I also, I mean, City are unusual because of the years of failure that they had. I think we missed a, a, you know, a big chunk of a generation of fans. Mm. Uh, the older fans carried on going, the ones who'd seen some success and the ones who had the sense of humour. But a lot of the particular age group of fans who weren't used to failure and didn't like it and saw United winning all the time and were finding it very difficult to go to school or to college or whatever mm. and admit that they were going to watch City playing crew, you know, and and, and teams like that when United were winning European Cups. Um, and I think we lost a lot of that generation. The result is, and I think I'm right in saying that statistically this is right, City have the highest average age of season ticket holders. Now, when we get the other side of this pandemic, um, a lot of those older fans who maybe would have naturally fallen away and been replaced by younger fans as the years have gone along, but hung on because during the last 10 years, suddenly all the dreams came true. Now think, you know what, I saw all that success. We're not quite as good as we once were. Um, Maybe it's time now for me to call it a day. And I'm, bit scared of going back in a crowd again because I don't know what I'm even though there's a vaccine I don't know if everybody's had it so I think there might be a bit of a fall off for that however City have one huge ace up their sleeve and that ace is Lionel Messi who I since I absolutely uh, think uh, nearly came in the summer that was not open mirrors and I think there's a very good chance that he will come next summer so just as Covid finishes if this is the way the timing goes and you have any doubt as to whether you can fill 55,000 seats and all these older people drift away and all the disenfranchised drift away, suddenly there will be thousands of people from elsewhere going, I want to see Lionel Messi. So Mm. that might just solve City's problems. We'll see. We hope so. I'd love to see Messi in Premier League. It'd just be... It'd be absolutely amazing. And to go to a team like City, where obviously Pep would know exactly what to do with him, it'd be... Something really, really special. So I think all the fans in the country, maybe not Liverpool fans and Man U fans, but would probably like you to sign Messi just so we can all watch him. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I want him. Really? I'm a City fan, because it's it, it, you're getting him past his best. I mean, yeah. I know he'll still he'll still be you know, a, a very gifted player. That's not going to yeah. go away. But he's not going to be the player that he was at his peak. 
Mm. And he's clearly being brought in as, as a brand ambassador. It's all about selling shirts. And yeah. it's not, and I, and, you know, I wonder if City become more of a circus and more of a target mm. for glory hunters. And at heart, I'm a, an old fashioned loyal football fan and like to be surrounded by people like that. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure that I want him to come. If you'd have said to me five years ago, yeah. I'd have snatched your hand off. But he'll be 35, I think, by next summer. Mm, true. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Uh, and so a final, final question from us is the the sort of holy grail for City, certainly the, well, I assume the fans, but the uh, the higher-ups is the Champions League. That's obviously the one that they are chasing. Do you think you're any closer to getting to that prize? Well, there's a couple of things in that, that question. First of all, um, I think the vast majority of City fans couldn't care less about the Champions League. Okay. Um, we are very unusual. and I, I, I don't count myself in that. So mm. whereas I may have gone against the grain when I said, I'm not sure I want Lionel Messi, um, as a football fan, as a City fan, the dream of being in Istanbul or wherever it might mm. be and seeing City win that trophy, that's the one thing left that I've not seen my mm. team do. So that is still my dream. Mm. But the vast majority of City fans that I speak to, um, because of the whole, you know, you've seen them booing the anthem. Yes. How UEFA tried mm. to keep them out of the cartel. There have been other incidents where City have been punished for coming out one minute late at half time by more, more money than racial abuse uh, aimed at Yaya Torre. Uh, you know, mm. and they don't like those things. Um, you know, there was a game in Russia a few years ago where mm-hmm. Russian fans have been racist towards Yaya Toure or uh, other players. So what did they do? They closed the ground. Now we're all games behind closed doors, but at the time, yeah. that was an unusual thing. And the game was played behind closed doors. So the loyal City fans who were prepared to travel out to Russia to watch couldn't go to the game, not through their fault, but because of something that the supporters of another team had done. Um, and yet... Uh, I was in that ground. I was there at that game because I was commentating mm. for the BBC. There must have been 600 um, CSK Moscow fans in the ground who'd gotten under the guise of sponsors or whatever. And yeah. when that was exposed, you know, and people saw the pictures, that disgusted City fans. Yeah. That, that there were people who'd actually... I met people in Moscow who'd travel out there in the hope that they might get in, mm. um, you know, one way or another. They'd still gone there. They'd gone and watched the under-19 game in the afternoon, but weren't allowed to go in into the senior game. And yet there were hundreds, hundreds of Moscow mm. fans in there cheering their team on. And that really has put people off UEFA. So mm. on that basis, City fans um, have been disengaged from the Champions League to a certain yeah. extent. So the, the, the new fans, oh, they all want to win it. Of course mm. they do. But the, the, the older, traditional City fans... I'd said the majority actually if it comes along it comes along but it's not that they'd rather win the Premier League next year mm. fair enough I, I, I completely see that point you the for owners a... I mean that, I didn't really allude to that the owners of course it's mm. all about worldwide brand and all about yeah. you know um, sort of global domination so of course they want to win the Champions League and the media will obviously hype that up because it's the one trophy they haven't won, and it's the, the mm. stick they can hit Pep over the head with and say, ah, you haven't won the Champions League without Messi. Ironically, if City don't win it this year, and then Messi comes in the summer 
and then they win it in 2022, the media will still be able to hit Pep over the head with, you can't yeah. win it without Messi, won't they? That's true, yeah. <laughs> and they will, yeah. <laughs> um, final, final question from me, and it's a straightforward um, one or the other. Um, Main Road or Etihad? Etihad. Yeah? I was surprised by that. You hear a lot of, um, a lot of stories from City fans about how much they miss the atmosphere at Main Road and things like that, so... That's, that's well. I wasn't uh, expecting I mean, you to go that way. It's it's fair to say that, that the atmosphere at football stadiums has massively changed since mm. Hillsborough, since since uh, Heysel and all the rest of it. Since we've gone to all seater stadiums, since uh, clubs have targeted corporate fans more than they've targeted, um, you know, working class people with cheaper tickets. Um, the whole dynamic of a football stadium everywhere has changed. So if United are still in the same stadium that they were in. Uh, Old Trafford is, is a library compared to what it mm. was in the days when you could stand up at games and when there was a bigger proportion of ordinary fans in there. So, you know, do, do, you know, obviously I'm not a United fan, but you know, you can't say to United fans, you know, do did you did you prefer the old ground or the new ground because they're still in the old one? Did you mm. prefer the old days or the new days? They might go for the old days. And if the mm. question was. Did you prefer it when, you know, a few years ago when standing was allowed, when when football had a different uh, atmosphere to it? Yes, I preferred the old days. Of course, I prefer that that type of uh, atmosphere of m more ordinary people getting in there because they're the ones who make the noise. Mm. Um, you know, you, the people who sat in the tunnel club paying 1500 quid for a, a ticket, they, they just sit there, you know, and, and it's, it's, you're at the theatre, a little bit of polite applause if somebody mm. scores a goal, you know, and trying to high-five Messi when he comes next year. That's what they're all about. You know, the noise comes from the terraces um, and the Kipax when it was in its glory. I mean, one of those 10 games that I, I identified was a 5-1 win against Charlton when City were promoted in 1985. And the capacity at the time was 52,000, I think. The official crowd was something like 48. Um, people seriously estimate that there was probably 55 to nearly 60,000 in that day. <laughs> if you look at the video footage of it, and it's on YouTube, mm. the, the Kipax is absolutely crammed. Everybody mm. who wanted to be there that day was there. Um, and so do I miss that? Yes. And do I miss the fact that my club was more in touch with the fans, that it was more down to earth, that it was more, you know, like, um, you know, a, a, a people's club? Do I miss that? Yeah. It's not about the bricks and mortar. I love the fact that we're in this beautiful stadium where uh, wherever you sit or stand or whatever, you get the perfect view. Why would I not want that? To be able to park the car easier and not have to pay some kid on the street two quid to mind it while you go to the match, you know. Um, is it better to pay two quid to some urchin, you know, from around the corner? Or is it better to pay ten quid to, mm. uh, to the Manchester City Council and be on a tarmac car park? There's pros and cons to that as well, isn't there? <laughs> um, you know, but um, no, Main Road has a lot of very happy memories for me, and I'll never mm. forget it. But you know, I do, I do like the modern stadium. It's a lovely stadium, the Etihad. Yeah, I went, we went a few years with Rotherham when we when you spanked a seven nil FA Cup. But it is a fantastic stadium to sit and watch football in a 7 0 loss. As but... a Rotherham fan, you've got to prefer that New York stadium to uh, to the crumbling Millmore or when you were at. Uh, Sheffield Eagles ground and you know I mean yeah. you've got a nice stadium now I've been to it so 
why would you not be proud of that? The, the, the fans are what make it. Yeah. It's not, it's not the bricks and mortar, it's the fans. So if the fans could be transported from the 70s, from mm. Main Road, and plonked in the yeah. modern-day Etihad, then you've got the perfect scenario. Well, exactly. Yeah, Completely um, agree. Oh, this has been brilliant. I really, really enjoyed listening to you, and this is uh, interesting to listen. The whole point of doing this is to hear from fans, an actual fans' view, not just from what Sky Sports and BBC and everything tell us. Uh, it's been really, really interesting. Thank you for doing this, and uh, hopefully we'll speak again soon at some point. Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me, and, uh, and good luck. Well, thank you very much, mate. Thank you. See you. Thanks. Right, I hope you really enjoyed that um, chat. We we really enjoyed it, didn't we, Wayne, talking to Ian? Yeah, like I say, he's a really knowledgeable bloke. He's uh, been following City for, well, I wouldn't say how long he's been following for. It's more about the eras that he's been following them through that mm. I found most interesting. Um, especially when he talks about the playoff final not being in his top 10 games. That, that was yeah. a, a bit of a surprise for her. Yeah, it um, was. Since it's one of the more iconic ones. Mm. Um, yeah. Great to have him on. Yep. Very good enlightenment also. We are going to continue with that over the next few weeks. So if you, if you are listening and you are part of the podcast, get get in touch with us and we'll be happy to get you on and talk about your club uh, as yes. well. For the record, we haven't yet found anyone uh, from King, uh, Kingstonian to talk about their season. Um, so if you are listening from the Kingstonian podcast or from any of the Metal Edge teams, <laughs> I'd love to get a Metal Edge person on. That'd be amazing. Yes, brilliant. Uh, Natal, have we got any bags of goals from you this week? No, do you know what? I was just looking a, a minute ago and I found a 9 mil in Belgium Women's League, but I, I'm not, I, I haven't researched it this week, so I, I'm going to say no. That's fine. I mean, I mean, you've, you've just told me there's a 9-0. I think we should probably discuss that. <sighs> Let me just find give, it. Give, 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 us, give, us a, give us a match report from this 9-0. <laughs> oh, it weren't, it weren't Belgium, it was Austria. Austrian Women's Bundesliga. And I'm not going to pronounce it. I'm just going to say oh, it. On. One of the games finished 9-0. Yeah, that's disappointing. Newell and back against uh, Wacker Innsbruck. Newell and back won 9-0. Excellent news. There you go. That's all. That's all you're having from me today. Okay. Great result. Great result for bringing sexy back or whatever they're called. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to Northern Ireland, um, they lost out in extra time to Slovakia. Um, they had a thousand fans in in Northern Ireland, and I watched most of the game, and they made a really, really good noise. I was shocked. I, I, I just assumed when I first put it on, it was just crowd noises piped in, but they put a thousand, thousand fans in. It does tend to be a really good atmosphere at Windsor Park. Um, but it didn't pay off. I'm more disappointed that Northern Ireland made, didn't make it through. I'd prefer Northern Ireland than Scotland to get through. Well, they're just like a little England, aren't they? Really. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd have preferred them to get through as well. But I'm also not really bothered that they haven't. Oh yeah, I'm not a loose sleep on it. Can I just pass uh, pass a comment here because Nuttall's referred to Northern Ireland as a little England, <laughs> and I want to be very clear to anyone in Southern Ireland that may be listening that I didn't say that. It was Nuttall. Only attack his address. <laughs> they've got bigger fish. They've got bigger problems with Amazon this weekend, haven't they? Oh, that was brilliant. Um, Amazon, I'm, I'm, Amazon didn't realise that there was a northern part of Ireland. Oh, there, there was something to do with the rugby uh, rugby rights, and somebody in Northern Ireland said, "I can't get it." It's, and basically, Amazon said, "Yeah, because you're part of Ireland, and we don't supply Ireland. We only supply the UK." <laughs> <laughs> 
If, if you find that chain of tweets, read it. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> there's, there's one point where an Amazon tweets about, sorry for the troubles. Do you think, <laughs> no, don't apologise for them. That weren't you guys. Um, but, yeah, Northern Ireland were really, really unlucky. Um, they went 1-0 down, and they conceded the second goal was a poor one, but they hit the post in, like, the 92nd minute. Um, so that they were very, very unlucky. But that's the, that's the playoffs, and I've really enjoyed this new playoff system. Uh, the Nations League. There's one-off games. They've been much, much better, haven't they, Ode? They have. We're almost a debate whether to watch England or, <laughs> like, not all switched over. Yeah. It, yeah, kept switching between them games and, yeah, I've no interest, really, whether Northern Ireland went through or Scotland went through. But I were interested in... in in the games, just well, like I said, there's something on it as opposed to our friendly against Republic. Mm. No, there's not on it, is it? Yeah, yeah. better to watch something like that. Yeah, um, uh, Bailey Peacock Farrell at fault for the yeah, uh, for the Northern Ireland goal. Stupid, uh, smoghead bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on the one positive for Leeds, North Macedonia made it through. Yeah. So Alioski is going to the Euros. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he interrupted uh, with the team the uh, press conference had called after, and there's been videos of him playing drums and all different. He's he's a character, yeah, a strange character, but he's the yeah he's going to the Euros. Another one on your list, mm-hmm. likely. Yeah, an Odin second country, Hungary, 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 Hungary yeah. made it through. Unbelievable scenes. <laughs> Unbelievable scenes. Yeah, we're, we're through. Magyar we're army. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Who scored? Say, that kid that scored. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, that, that, in, the, in that scored into your young kid, it was a brilliant goal. Um. It's Sal- Salabai. Something like that. I mean, you you just claim to be part of them, so I thought you might know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we were a while ago, actually. All right. Sorry. Oh, can you sing us a small <laughs> section from the Hungarian national anthem? <laughs> it's one of them. It's one of them like funeral music, but no words. No words. Uh, well, none that I recognise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, no I, words, then. I'm very, very limited in the in the Hungarian. So, <laughs> shall I save you and I shall I move say, on? I can say hello and, and uh, one beer, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know a bit more than that, but yeah. Right. I, I, yeah. They're very important ones. They've got, yeah. they've got a really nice uh, new stadium now, Puskas uh, Arena. Uh, I don't know. Never heard of him. That's one on Wayne's list to go to a pointless holiday and go watch a stupid game of football. Yes. Hey, big, big quality. Big quality. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> uh, moving on to finish off the Nations League. Um, there's been no promotions... Uh, guaranteed yet, no promotional qualifications guaranteed yet. I think France might that qualified actually. Um, we've been following Gibraltar throughout the process. Uh, Gibraltar had a chance to win their group and gain promotion for the first time, but they somehow didn't beat a 10 man San Marino. I'm fuming. 
And I I watched watched that game. I, do you know why I have a few minutes? It was the only one that let me down on me after that day, Gibraltar. Same, Same. <laughs> it cost me 52 quid, that fucker. <laughs> it, I, I watched it and it was about as good as you thought it might be. There was some terrible football on display. Um, but Gibraltar can still go up. They, can, they, they need a draw against Liechtenstein to get promoted so they can get spanked next time out against some decent teams. Game. Um, so that's to watch on Tuesday night. We're recording on a Monday night where there is no international game, so that's one that you should all watch. You all should all watch Gibraltar against Liechtenstein. Do it, Wayne. Should we have a watch party? We could have a watch party. Did, did you see the recovery that they've posted a picture? The what? The recovery? They just all, they just all stood in Arbor in C. <laughs> <laughs> that that's it, it, cooling legs off. Ooh, Gibraltar in Catalan Bay or something. Why? I don't know. Ooh. No. Uh, the, were this real? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. It were on it were on Monkey's uh, Twitter feed. So oh. unless, unless one of yours followed uh, a fake Macedonian account, not <laughs> 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 Macedonia, Gibraltar account. <laughs> To be fair, with the way Nuttall goes about his following streaks, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. Um, yeah, so that's international football done. Anything else you want to mention in international football? I have not seen anything else to mention. We don't have to watch it all March. Well, we record hey! before the Wednesday. We record before the Wednesday game, so we have got to watch some Wednesday. Apart from that, apart from right. that, after that, we ain't going to watch all yeah. March. Fair enough. Yeah, we, don't, so we don't have to discuss it on the podcast, that's what he's saying. Okay, that'll do. I'm happy with that. Very happy with that. Brilliant. Things to talk about are the managerial changes. Uh, we'll start with Darwin. We'll finish off with Wednesday because obviously these two will have more to talk about on that. Um, I think we predicted this actually at Derby. Philip Cockle to go out and Wayne Rude to go into temporary charge. Well, it's not really a shock, is it? It's fucking... hey, we are predictions. If we get anything right, you fucking claim it. <laughs> uh, is anybody shocked? Because bear in mind how shit Derby have been. Wayne Rooney isn't. No. No. It would have been groomed, weren't it? Mm. Groomed from the beginning. Well, they've, they've ploughed it up as a management team, haven't they? Right. Uh, and not just when Rooney's been put in temporary charge. They've put a four-man management team in charge, but Rooney is the senior figure within that team. <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> OK. So, it's, well, it's not a surprise. They're, under, they're, they're underachieving with the squad they've got. Uh, I don't think they'll appoint anybody until Tekova goes through anyway, because expecting that middle of this week, right. uh, Tekova to go through. Has uh, name's been linked with Well, they've, 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 I've seen Rafa Benitez. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very strange list, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there is, because there's a lot saying, oh, Paul Cook, uh, yeah. the, the usual suspects. And then John you've got your Rooney, which I can see I can see benefits having somebody like Rooney, but it's a risk in their position. Yeah. Uh, and And... And then Rafa Benitez, you've got to ask yourself, why would he? Well, I suppose. He stayed in the championship with Newcastle. I know Newcastle are a bigger club than Derby, but... They also had a fucking brilliant squad compared to what they're going to have. Uh, I think it's a massive risk. Derby squad's better than bottom of the league, don't get me wrong. But Mm. for somebody like Rafa to go to a club at 24th in championship, they could quite conceivably go down. Mm. Uh, That's not good. That would no. not be good for his reputation. So it's not a task he's ever done either. From what the role of Benitez's jobs, he's never mm. had to 
But, well, I know he went down with Newcastle, didn't he? But uh, mm. yeah, but he, he went in there when they were they were about then and buried anyway, didn't he? When the first yeah, went down, so. and, yeah. and 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 he, and he's a he's a and no disrespect to Derby because they are a big club, but he's a big big club manager. Yeah, very impressed. big. Yeah, I agree. It's not a Derby manager. No, I probably agree with that. Uh, by this time next week, we may have more news, but at the minute, just getting names linked with it, so we'll talk about that as and when it happens. Um, the other news is that the man that Nuttall and Wayne did not want has taken over at Sheffield Wednesday. Tony Poulis, with his hats, has uh, rocked up. Um, initial thoughts? Start with you, Wayne. It's just an underwhelming appointment. Um, and I'm not daft enough to think that we're going to win the league this year. You know, we'll probably finish second, but we're not going to win the league. <laughs> um, but uh, it just, it don't fill you with confidence. Maybe it's the right man at the right time since there's no fans in ground. There's not really any sort of enthusiasm around football at the minute. I don't know. I just, I just look at it and think, I just don't see how it's going to improve us. How negative for me, for, for, for me I, I can see why they appointed him. It wouldn't have been my choice. I think he's a short term appointment, he's not a long term vision sort of appointment. Uh, because he's going to come in now. You wouldn't expect us with our squad with Tony Pulis in charge to get relegated this season, and that's the main thing on chairman's mind. And they, they'll talk about, and, and I've listened to his interview today, and to, to be honest, we. I, I didn't matter. It was a decent enough press conference. I liked. It, it sounded all right the way it came across. Very, very honest about some things. He even said Callum Patterson's not a striker, even though he's been playing there for two years. <laughs> what position is it then? <laughs> well, he got converted from a centre half. I don't disagree no. with him, to be honest with you, <laughs> from what I've seen of Callum Patterson. But I'm surprised yeah. he came out and said it in his first press conference. Well, yeah. I think uh, he's a very good physio and uh, quite a good mascot. <laughs> no, I like Patterson, so I'm not going to pass judgment on that. Um, we, we always have those players in your team that aren't really strikers, but sometimes get played as strikers. There's always that ridiculous decision to do that. Wednesday, I've done it in years gone by with Bullen and with Graham Lee playing there f- a few times. Even the um, that Freddie Nielsen we had a couple of years ago, I remember him going out up front as a sub a few times when we didn't have a striker. You always get a daft decision. I'm sure Leeds and Rotherham have had those players that aren't really strikers that get thrown up there for games. Not for full um, games. David James? Uh, I mean, David James is pro- <laughs> some, probably the exception <laughs> that proves that football's ridiculous. <laughs> we played Janssen up front a couple of years ago, a few times. What? What, is he like a proper striker or just like throwing him oh, up when oh, you were oh, desperate? Oh. Well, towards the end of games, but he did the same with Sweden. Remember in England game and all in 2018 in World Cup and when we played Sweden and they chucked Janssen up front for the last 10, 15 minutes. He, he, were another, he used to be a striker and yeah. then moved him back to centre-back. Well, Kiefer Moore, who's, uh, who's now scoring shitloads of goals for Wigan, he started off at Forest Green as a centre-back. Yeah, they have these, and they're always the, the thing is they're always big units that yeah. good in air, and that's sort of what Patterson is. So, uh, but we'll see. Anyway, that's just a sort of aside, and just one of the things he, that he said today. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, it's a solid, it's a solid appointment, and that's all you've got to say. Like Wayne says, it's 
probably a good thing that fans aren't in ground mm. because it's not going to be pretty. But it's I'm, I'm quite relaxed about it because it's not been pretty for years. It yeah. was pretty for one year under Carlos, and other than that, it's been pretty fucking dreadful to watch anyway. So if we win a few games along the way, then it's minor improvement. <laughs> Fair enough. Standards are so low. <laughs> wow. yeah. yeah, but we've been watching Wednesday since late nineties. That's why your standards are so low. Yeah. Um, I think that's all we've got. Is there anything else we want to touch on before we wrap? Did, this well, the only up? other I've got this, the other one thing to mention was John Sheridan and a, a bizarre. <laughs> oh yeah. That he's ended up getting another. It's, well, it's he come from. Got, no, he's I, I, the I, best agent ever. <laughs> I don't like speaking as a. I don't like speak ill of him as a as a player and and, and uh, even Oden. It's not many players that have get uh, Leeds and Wednesday fans both singing his praises. But as a manager, is a is a massive journeyman. Goes around, doesn't do a lot in lower leagues, and it, it's gone from a, a, a side in Ireland. It, a few months ago. To a month-to-month contract at Wigan, who were sort of falling apart, and then but it transpires this Swindon owner actually owns Waterford, who were the team that he were managing in Ireland, which is how he's got the Swindon job because he had him and he had him in Ireland. You've, you've missed ago. off getting sacked from Chesterfield because because they're shit at bottom of the league, at the National League, and all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where has he actually done? I remember him doing well somewhere. Chesterfield, for, for, like, first he's... first time at Chesterfield. Yeah, he did well. I think, I think they won, won, won league, didn't they? Yeah, they won league. They definitely got promoted. I can't remember where they exactly finished, but he did well the first time round. But only have three spells with him now. Two yeah. or three. They beat it us five be ten... on telly. Must be ten years since he's had a good season as a manager. Which <laughs> is bizarre that he's managed to yeah. find his way back to League One. It happens. You have, you have managers who have a good spell. Andy Scott's a good example. He had a really good year at Brentford, a couple of years at Brentford, and then he's gone to do shit all elsewhere. It does happen quite well, not quite a lot, but it does happen, doesn't it? Tony Pulis. Tony Pulis, yeah. <laughs> cool. Right, we'll wrap that up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed listening to us for Dickheads Talk. I hope you've enjoyed the Ian Cheeseman thing as well. We're going to keep doing that with other people. Uh, we'll come back next week when there will be actual proper, you know, what what can pass as professional football to talk about next week. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Wayne, for turning up. Your internet hasn't caused too much of a problem. Yeah, sorry, I had to reset it all. Uh, I'd like to end my comment by saying Virgin Media are all bell ends. Okay, thanks. Thanks for your input. Uh, and thank you very much, all, boy. We really enjoyed it. Thank you. And thank you very much, Jordan. It's been an absolute pleasure. As always. At least we haven't had to speak Pleasure's about Leeds. Mine. Yeah, no Leeds to talk about, really. That's, which has been a bonus. <laughs> quick, 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 wrap it up before he comes up with something. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see you all next week, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.